So hello and welcome to One for the Books. I'm Jacinta. And I'm Emma. We're a book podcast for everyone, whether you love reading or your idea of a book is a glossy mag, we have recommendations to kickstart your book club. Equal Part Book Club, Ultimate Reckless, and Catch Up With Your Friends. I had to try so hard not to laugh at that pause of you trying to be like, wait, what the fuck is it? Just keep going, keep going. It'll come out. I was like, don't laugh because you'll totally laugh at the exact point that she's trying to talk. I know. You can tell when my brain is whirling. (laughs) It's like in a song, like when you don't don't remember the lyrics, but you've just got to keep going and hope. The music will take you there. <laughs> and just kind of do your own weird lip sync of oh like God, what 100%. You think the Or just like, yeah, move your mouth as if you're singing words. <laughs> that was like my entire like dance career, just like hoping I remember the moves <laughs> as the music is going. You the can pressure. tell how good I was, yeah. That sounds oh terrifying. I want that to the list for the next therapist appointment yes. <laughs> i have a whole notebook of things to talk oh about yeah this. you're like where shall we start yeah. <laughs> so good um <laughs> i can't believe we're in final episode for 2022 where is this year gone it's crazy but it is my favorite time of year where all the Same. end of the year lists come out yeah i don't know do you get overwhelmed by it there's just so many no, books I love still it. to read <laughs> It's like, like oh my god. Okay. Yeah. No, was I living under a rock or something? Like, did I not hear of all of these? Yeah, but I'm down to ten books from the library, which for me is a big ass deal. It's a practice in restraint. You've got it is yes. Yeah, setting my own boundaries for books. Um, (laughs) Yeah, relationship boundaries for the library. Yeah. One hundred percent. Like, stop stalking the library. Um, you can just take a break for a while. Very one-sided. They're not yeah. giving oh, you one hundred percent. They're not giving you what you're receiving. Yes. <laughs> but speaking of wrap-up lists for the year, we're doing our annual sort of our best or most favorite reads of the year. Um, and oh, I'm excited. Which is always in an impossible task. Impossible. So I think there's a good caveat here, though, of like there's obviously so many books we read that we loved. These are not all of them. And these are in no particular order of preference, like preferential listing. It's just yes. books we've enjoyed for a variety of reasons. Well, shall we get started? Do you want to kick us off? Yeah, let's do it. It's a book called Two Nights in Lisbon by Chris Pavoni. I have not even heard of it. I think it just came out like super recently in the past couple of months. Oh my God, months. fuck off. You're so trendy. <laughs> I don't know if it's a particularly trendy book. Okay. It's almost a thriller. It's a mystery thriller. What a... Okay, yeah. And this one just hit the spot. It was great. Okay, tell me more. So, as the title, I guess, explains... Basically, there's two nights in Lisbon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's set over two nights in Lisbon. (laughs) You're like, done, synopsis, tick. (laughs) Yeah. It's basically a slow burn international thriller with its fair share of unreliable narrators which I really love it starts in like the really classic way of the protagonist wakes up alone her husband's gone with no warning no note oh my god he's not answering his phone something's wrong that kind of thing I'm in it already. I'm like, I know, what so happened? you're hooked from yeah, the like first immediate. page. Yeah, yeah. and there's Which no is a way. Skill. Oh god, I know. And like, there's no way, even if it was the shittest book ever, I'm <laughs> reading to the very end. Like, I've got what happened to the husband? Yeah, like, what's going on? It's quite a long mystery. It kind of unravels really slowly, and you've got to pick up points 
or clues along the way. It's not like one twist at the end. It comes together over the whole book. But yeah, Ariel Price, who's the protagonist, her new husband disappears, her much younger husband in Lisbon, and starts to freak out. She doesn't know what's happening. She goes to the hotel security. She goes to the police, um, the American embassy, the CIA. No one will help her. So she has to take things into her own hands. It's all set amongst this backdrop of the beautiful city of Lisbon, which I think just made it so much more immersive and intriguing because it's she's in this unfamiliar place, you're in this unfamiliar place, and you don't know a lot about the characters in the beginning and you're slowly kind of learning more about them and you're learning more about the city as well, which was kind of a great way to pair it. But I really liked it and the way it slowly started coming together. I mean, I don't know what this says about me, but I did not guess the ending or the twist or like I feel like it says nothing about you like you are fine and I say this because I am that person that literally never guesses the ending even when it's super fucking obvious and everyone's like yeah I got it after like two pages in and it's like what oh fuck I really exactly right when it becomes really obvious That was not my experience. Um, Yeah, 100%. So that definitely, I think it is pretty hard to guess because it does have those unreliable narrators. You don't quite know who to trust, even the protagonist, Ariel, Mm. who's got her own kind of skeletons in the closet. She's changed her name. She's kind of left a life behind and you slowly untangle that web as well. So you're kind of like, oh, is she involved? Like, she's a bit dodgy as well. Like, what's happening here? So I really loved this book. I thought the ending was super satisfying as well. It was worth it because it, I guess, mysteries, they do take you through a lot of adrenaline and effort. But like, to yeah. have it like, be satisfying at the end is such a good feeling. And totally. I think that's why it's kind of stuck with me. I really enjoyed it. And that idea of mysteries or thrillers being really digestible is something that I definitely yes. relate to. And yeah. I definitely did it with this, kind of broke down those barriers. So, yeah, Two Nights in Lisbon by Chris Pavoni. Also, just want to say, love our complete role reversal for this final episode of the year that oh you're God, recommending fiction and I'm recommending non-fiction. I actually love this. It's it's very fishing, I feel like. We've both yeah. rubbed off on each other. Exactly. <laughs> it's very wholesome. Yeah. What's yours? What's yours? So it's a non-fiction book. So it's non-fiction and I basically panic picked this like five minutes before we started recording um, same do not worry do not worry yeah and a big part of it I think for me is that I've read it really recently so it feels really fresh in my mind um <laughs> such but, a good point yeah yeah um I also really really loved it so it's called Saigon a misfits memoir of great books punk rock and the fight to fit in by Fook Tran <gasps> Um, is a great title right um and I love the clever title because it's s-i-g-h comma g-o-n-e oh my god I love it already. but it's a pun because he's he and his family fled Saigon in Vietnam just before the outbreak of the Vietnam War so it's like this whole play on words and very indicative of um his kind of love and exploration of language that he pursues during the book. Um, The memoir chronologically follows Fook Tran as his coming of age in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Um, So he and his family like um, fled Saigon in 1975. So just before sort of the worst of the war, just before it really broke out. It was too bad. Um, The writing was on the wall probably. Yes. And they immigrated to the US. So the book kind of explores his experience growing up Vietnamese American 
in America while the Vietnam War was going on, which was a particularly interesting perspective of, you know, it was his experience with recently returned Vietnam vets um, and sort of people's racist attitudes towards Vietnamese people because that war had been going on. Lots of people had lost family members or whatever in the war totally but also it exposes that white savior complex as well because everyone would have had some experience either watching the war or having exactly they would have had their own feelings and ownership of of that trauma totally which is like would be so hard growing up in that environment a hundred percent yeah so the book sort of goes into his experiences of lots of different things like abuse racism and tragedy but I think the bit that brings the book together sort of is the connections, community and self-discovery he claims through books and punk rock. I Um, love this so much. Yeah. And it's like this really at its core to me, a big part of it is identity and what that means and how you come about finding your identity and your place in the world. But it was also really cool with the backdrop of the disaffection of 1980s punk rock um, and Mm. how that gave him a sense of community sort of for the first time in his life because um, he felt sort of seen and accepted for who he was rather than his difference in background. Oh, I love that's beautiful. I know because everyone in particularly in the 1980s punk scene, everyone was considered an outsider. That was sort of like that collect collective of people that say, didn't quite fit really, in. It really so he like was just another. That. But one of my favorite parts about the book is each chapter was the title of a different book, and then that chapter kind of thematically talks about the lessons he learned from the book or the similarities and parallels he discovered in his own life that you know gave him that sense of identity as he read it. Oh, um, so what kind of books are the chapters named They're, after? like, really iconic. Um, it kind of oh, is all about his exploration of the Western literary canon. So it's, like, mm. Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka. Um, Ooh, yeah, There's classic. some Dickens in there. There's um, So you kind of get the vibe from the very beginning. Exactly. And it's just a really, really clever structure for breaking up the monotony of chronological memoir because that can get so boring. And then how he learnt lessons from that or how it affected and impacted him. Um, oh, wow. I love using that as a timeline because it's so true. Yes. Like particular books you read at a certain age. Exactly. Or a certain time in your life is just so encapsulates that time period. And whenever you think back to it, you always will remember where you were, how old you were, what was happening in your life and how you responded to the book. So that is kind of genius. The mind association of that really personal level of what that book reminds you of. Yeah. Um, But it's so beautifully well written, such an interesting, unique take on things and this beautifully niche vignette of um, 1980s punk rock slash nerd vibes from <laughs> Pennsylvania. Like it was just, it's really, really well done. And I love that he is a teacher, a Latin teacher and a tattoo artist in real life. Like that is oh, his what? I love career. That. Yeah, oh I was like, I'm obsessed with this. Skate, punk rock. Like, so he was a skater. He loved, yeah, punk music. So there's lots of references to, like, really cool American punk bands from the 80s. Yeah, that's what I'm interested. I need, yeah, a, I need like, playlists play 
playlist. Like yes. the songs be like mentioned. 100%. So yeah, it's um, Saigon, a misfits memoir of great books, punk rock, and the fight to fit in by Fook Tran. So that is my one of my I'm favorite so books of the year. Oh, yeah. that is such a good one. Okay, cool. So <laughs> did you want to tell me your next couple of favorite books? So we're each going to share 10 in total. Yes. Right? So the next yes. couple of books that make up my top 10 in no particular order, as we've <laughs> said a million times. So the first one was The Giant Dark by Sarvat Hassin, which was a very loose retelling of the infamous Greek tragedy, Orpheus and <gasps> Eurydice. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with retellings. Yes. But it's kind of, it's not a classic retelling like the ones that have come out. It's kind of loosely based on it. But but that's similar to a Madeline Miller vibe where it's like kind of takes basis and runs with it. Yeah, that's what it does. It like takes the structure and then kind of runs with it. The author even like splits it into two parts, like a classic myth. Thematic oh my God, kind of so and good. Also has like a perspective from the Greek chorus, which is fans in this instance. So the basis of the story is it follows two people and their relationship over many, many years. It gender flips actually the lovers from the original myth. Yes. Um so Ada is a rock star at her peak with a devoted cultish fan base, and she reconnects with her ex from 10 years ago called Asian and he is like a very studious academic who has like a very different lifestyle it's all about their love story and how their different worlds have come together it's like they've got a toxic relationship but it's also really beautiful at times it can be heartbreaking and tragic and I think what I love about this book is the writing it was just so descriptive and creative and really rich in that way so that's that's what I loved about it so yeah and the next book that I would talk about it's a really weird fucking book. It's called <laughs> Night Bitch by Rachel What Roder. a title. I know. I feel like I picked it up for superficial reasons. First for Fair. the title. And secondly, the cover. It's like blood red with like a woman oh holding a massive piece of raw meat. I'm Ugh. not sure if you've seen it before. That's visceral. No, I haven't. And I'm going to Google it later because that sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah. The book doesn't get any any more normal from there. It's basically a woman's experience in motherhood, but it's kind of couched in a lot of metaphors and the protagonist starts to actually physically turn into a dog. Um, <laughs> so you follow her descent into a feral dog and how that is reflecting her experience with motherhood. Oh my God. I mean, it's fascinating. It was so weird, but I couldn't put it down. It was unlike anything I've read before. So it was, it was great in a car crash kind of way. I don't, that sounds like I want to read it for, like, because I'm intrigued more than anything else. Yeah. That's why you like keep turning the page, I guess. Yes. But then it also like has a, like, I guess a larger story, modern motherhood and all the pressures of being a woman and how that has kind of come up in her quote-unquote metamorphosis so yeah it's got it's got some undertones there but it's it's a really fascinating book and I um yeah I was obsessed (laughs) okay how about you what what are some of the books from your list um okay one is everyone in my family has killed someone by Benjamin Stevenson it's an Australian novel that someone recommended to me recently actually and it is a really funny bit quirky and interesting kind of murder mystery 
Um, is it, it just, almost sounds like a satire of like a It is, a yeah. Horror. So the premise is um, a guy, an author, who writes how to write mystery books. So it's like he writes about the rules of writing mystery. Oh, my God. But through it, it's effectively like a fake memoir of this person's family where every single member in his family has murdered someone or killed someone. So oh. the each chapter is kind of divided into different family members and then tells that story, but it weaves into a much bigger story. But it's, it's not really actually clever true. and funny. Not true. Very Ooh, much fiction. I kind of um, love the weird structure of this. Yeah, and it's just very funny. Like lots of laugh out loud moments. I listened to it as an audiobook and it was really, really good. Oh my um, god, I'm super into this. I love like a weird satire. So that's one. And then another one is, I know this is a book you've read and also <laughs> loved, and I only read it because you recommended it, um, <laughs> Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. What a book. I feel like this is one of those books that has been everywhere. I've seen it on shelves in every shop ever. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's amazing. So it follows um, a pioneering woman, particularly for the era. So set in the 50s, I'm pretty sure trying to make it as a scientist and it kind of follows her career trajectory into reality tv effectively like the a cooking show i know um, i found the cooking show like the more fascinating part of it same and it's the backstory loved, of how she got yes there and, her and the family dynamics and her relationship and her kid and like all of it was really really fascinating you know a, a modern perspective on 1950s Feminism, yeah, I don't I think. think it would like, have like exactly. There was a lot of wokeness like where I was like, oh, I feel like oh, it totally should have been way more problematic. Um, but it was really, really cool. It's really fun. Yeah. It's just super entertaining. So I would exactly. recommend it just for that. She's but a classic feels- like, woman in a male dominated industry who doesn't get treated yes. very well. But I would say they definitely don't deal with it in any explicit or no, intense it doesn't go way. very deep. Yeah. yeah, it gives you like enough detail that you understand the context of what's happened without it being in your face. Yeah, I totally anyway, agree. If That's you're taking it as an easy read, there is nothing to fault, basically. It was so good. Thank you for recommending. Oh, we got um, no What are your next couple? So I'm back on my nonfiction train. Okay, yes. <laughs> so a book that I feel like I've been meaning to read for ages and I finally got to it and I knew I would love it because it's about a period of time that I love it's called meet me in the bathroom rebirth and rock and roll in new york city 2001 to 2011 by very Lizzie niche goodman <laughs> yes i just love a music oral history full of terrible <laughs> you do people love, saying yeah full of terrible things people. about other people <laughs> the cattier the better like it's great it's all about that kind of early noughties period of time which focuses largely on bands like the strokes interpol the yeah yeah yes lcd sound system vampire weekend okay so some of the best bands of all time I know. So yeah, if you're a fan of any of those bands, I think you would really like this book because it's an oral history. It comes from a lot of perspectives. She's a journalist, so she pretty much collected hundreds and hundreds of interviews from her whole career and put them together in a book. So it has this really fascinating, I guess, portrait of of this really intense time and place in New York City that I guess gave birth to I don't know modern rock and roll that sounds amazing and also I feel like for people around our age group this is kind of ideal because this is very much speaking to all of the bands that were probably pretty formative for us yeah it definitely had nostalgia aspects yeah. after I got past yeah. the initial like 
oh my god, I can't believe this period of time is already nostalgia and like can, all, can be already be written about? about history. Yeah, that was very jarring, and oh I god. had to get over it a little bit. <laughs> Um, but no, it was really interesting and like a lot of music that I love and still listen to, um, yeah. you kind of get the ins and outs and also like the world after 9-11 and like the DIY oh, so generation, yeah. it's a really fascinating period in history as well. It charts the, I guess the internet, the rise of the internet and how that changed the music industry as well. Yeah, true. Um, Cause that was right on the cusp of sort of. Spotify and stuff becoming so ubiquitous. Yeah, it was almost like everyone was doing everything DIY because it was so Mm. new and so different. So, yeah, Meet Me in the Bathroom by Elizabeth Goodwin, which obviously quotes the Stroke song. Yes. And then the other non-fiction book that I actually loved is called Midnight in Chernobyl, The Untold Story of the World's Greatest Nuclear Disaster by Adam Higginbotham, which... Is very different. It's like, it's very (laughs) intense. It's a deep dive into this really fascinating topic and time in history, I guess, as well. But it's, I guess, both riveting and horrifying in equal measure. It tells the story of the devastating and true story of the worst nuclear accident in the history of the world. It's also a really uninteresting book to read in present time. Mm. All the context around the Ukraine war and how the issues of the Soviet Union and its power are kind of still having worldwide implications. So it was really fascinating. But it's such a heartbreaking story. And he, the author, grounds this book, The Stories of the People, in and around the project, which made it so much more fascinating but also more heartbreaking because you know what it's kind of leading to Mm. um yeah and it's a really interesting story how everything was covered up and what led to it and what could have been avoided it was actually really easy to be avoided that was the hardest thing to read (gasps) yeah I I had no idea I would have just been like yeah it would have it just seemed yeah okay yeah it just seems like some kind of freak accident like that's what I would have thought there's a lot of like criminal negligence it's really wow it's, it's super intense, but it's a really important story and one that kind of had me on the edge of my seat. Um, so yeah, Midnight in Chernobyl by Adam Higginbotham. Such a good one. Oh my God, I love this mixed bag of your top 10 so far. It gives it so right? much more variety. Yes. <laughs> um, How about you? What's next? Okay, next is Black Cake, um, a novel by Charmaine Wilkerson. It's about... Um, sort of spanning 60 years in the life of a Caribbean-American family. Oh, wow. Um, and it's just – it's a lot of family drama, family politics. There's a little bit of mystery to it as well. Um, but it's all kind of set against the backdrop of um, this woman, Eleanor, and her two children, um, Byron and Benny, who are estranged – Um, And they reunite for her funeral in California. And there's a really sort of mysterious inheritance where they have to listen to this voice recording where she tells them about her life and all of the things that they didn't know about her that it gives them a lot more context. Oh, my God. I love this. And it's all set in present day. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the beginning. But then there's a lot of like flashbacks where um, it's her telling her story in first person sort of. So it starts as the voice recording and then you go into sort of her first person account of it. Um, oh my God. I love a mysterious matriarch yeah. with some skeletons. This is so. Right? Oh, 
I love And then it's all set around a traditional Caribbean black cake made from a family recipe with this like really long history. And it's like how that can bring them back together and, you know, yeah, put the past behind them. Of course, because they're estranged. Oh, my God. I know. So they have to share it. Anyway, it's so interesting. There's so many layers to it. Yeah, it was just also another book that I got into really quickly. It just found really interesting um, mystery without being really intense, kind of like your perfect balance of everything. Oh my god, dream! Um, I'm looking this up straight away. This yeah, sounds so good. Really loved. Um, and then the other one is a book called Honor by Thriti Amrga. It's a fictional book about an Indian American journalist who has returned to India to sort of re- very reluctantly cover a story. Um, on behalf of a friend of hers who's going through some medical issues but needs this story filed. It's about a murder that's happened in a small town in India because um, a Muslim man and a Hindu woman married each other and that was very not okay in this small town. So it's all about Smita, the journalist, kind of coming face to face with her own culture and dealing with how her family had to flee to America So, yeah, it's unpacking family history, but also a lot of cultural issues. It's just a very evocative book about love and hope and betrayal and sacrifice and violence. Um, Oh, wow. But it's about courageous women at its core. So that's why I loved that book. Oh, oh my gosh. The way you've described that, I am (laughs) loving this so much. Yeah. Okay. What are your next two? So I have been reading a lot of poetry anthologies yes. and I think I talked about this in our actual like episode focused mm. on this. I love an anthology or a collection that is organised around a state of mind or a mood where you mm. can pick it up and go to a certain state of mind that you're in and pick a poem from that. And this poetry collection does just that. It's called Life Support, 100 Poems to Reach For on Dark Nights by Julia Copas. I know. Sorry, like that it's reaction beautiful. was just like, what a beautiful title. <laughs> I know, you definitely made me pick it up. And then obviously, as you can imagine, the poems have been picked with such sensitivity mm. and, and love into certain sections. So the sections are the Deep Hearts Core, which are poems <gasps> about places of sanctuary. And then there's As a Boy I Stood Before It For Hours, which is poems that remind us about our focus and how to be mindful so it's got some really interesting kind of sections where you can like flick through and it was just really beautiful the way it was put together there's sections about friendship and companionship and also if you want to put things into perspective or like a specific moment that you want to focus on yeah it was just really beautiful it's got like poems from well-known um people like William Wordsworth, Frank O'Hara, Tom Gunn, Robert Frost, Sylvia Plath but then I discovered so many more like new gems it was really beautiful so yeah if you want a new poetry collection yeah um to kind of match the mood that you're in um what a beautiful gift as well to give someone that's a, such a good point because it's just such yeah. an easy thing to just pick up and anyone can do it. Exactly. Dip in and out of an intro. Like I find anthologies a much more accessible way of immersing totally. yourself in poetry. Yeah. So yeah, yes. that's definitely something for everyone. That is Life Support by Julia Copas. Oh, legendary. That's such a good one. Um, I'm literally, <laughs> as we're talking, buying this for someone for Christmas. Oh my God, that's like, a really good idea. such a good gift. Yeah. And then I want to talk about another weird-ass book. 
um, which really threw me. It's called Pizza Girl by Jean Young Fraser. I think I might have talked about this, but I loved it so much. What what a fucking title! You always pick books with the most amazing titles. It really it hooks me in. A great title will like get me to read something definitely yes um it focuses on 17 year old newly pregnant girl who works at a crappy pizza place in the middle of the los angeles suburbs delivering pizza to all kinds of weird people in the area and she's kind of she's not really ready to be a mother so it's her whole experience we're trying to understand that and she maybe does a lot of things that not great but it's all part of her way of trying to understand what's happening to her, I guess. Yeah, it's like a really weird story, <laughs> but like one that I was obsessed with the characters. I just loved Pizza Girl so much, even though I didn't agree with her choices a lot of the time. Um, but also that's a very impressive skill to write a character that you don't necessarily like or agree with their life choices in the book, but that you still are so intrigued by or interested in that you want to keep reading for their sake. Totally. It does not happen very often. So yeah. that definitely, I think the characters stayed with me and the feeling you got of reading the book it's a really interesting one and um I want everyone to read it because it's great oh love this how about you what um okay this one you've also read and recommended and I bumped up my list because you highly recommended it um The Power by (gasps) Naomi Alderman yes loved this um what a wild book it's actually crazy so it's kind of a dystopian futuristic book where all of a sudden um, teenage girls find that with a sort of a flick of their fingers or they can basically activate this power where they can inflict agonizing pain and even death on men. Yeah, um, it comes from their palms, this almost yes. this elect- electricity. So it starts with teenage girls and it's about how it spreads, but there's sort of four key characters at the heart of the book and it sort of tells their stories of discovering this power, how they came into it. And how that shapes the world in the future. And really makes you reckon with a lot of current state of affairs. Um, Totally. But a great, fascinating, such an interesting book and concept. The other one I'm recommending is I'm Glad My Mum Died by Jeanette McCurdy. Um, Oh, this has been everywhere. How was it? Everywhere. Um, I think it's a very iconic cover. It feels very 80s, the cover. But yeah, everyone. Especially the title. I feel like that was what was getting people in. Smart, very clever marketing. So smart. So it's um, a memoir by um, former child star iCarly and Sam and Katz. Jeanette McCurdy is the actress. It's sort of about her struggles as a child actor um, and how her mum kind of pushed her into this, how abusive her mum was in lots of different ways. And she's really unflinching in um, disclosing and talking about you know, eating disorders, addiction, a very complicated relationship with her mum and how long it took her to really understand that her mum was abusive Mm. um, and how she kind of reclaimed her own independence and life and control over her own choices. So it's it's heartbreaking in lots of ways. She also tells it in a very, very funny way. Um, Oh, so it's actually funny too because I was going to say that like sounds so brave to kind of bear your heart out and – not throw yeah. people under the bus, but kind of expose people in your life, like your family in that way. But I love that she kind of sprinkles in humour as well. Yeah, it's it's really good. Highly recommend. 
Oh my gosh, I know that's yeah. the kind of memoir that I'm into. Lots of dark humour, so it is funny, but it's often in very uh, cynical or unflinching kind of ways, obviously. Let alone like all the abuse and like awful people that were pulling <laughs> yeah. the strings. Jeez. Exactly. Oh my god. Um, what are your next two? But one of my favourite books from this year was Interior Chinatown by Charles <gasps> Wu. I think you've read this. I've read it. Yeah. Did you like it? <laughs> I really, really liked it. Um, How fun it is definitely it? felt like a book that I could tell why you loved it in particular. I felt like it hit a lot of your <laughs> markers for a good book. Totally. But it was such yeah. a clever format. I really loved the format of the book. Yeah. Than anything I feel else. like the form, the unique concept. Yes. was what kind of makes it and what made it so fun and interesting. So it's basically framed like a screenplay or a movie script. Yeah. Complete with interior, exterior indicators for setting and dialogue and montage cues. Even the book is written in like courier font, which is what scripts, Hollywood scripts are written in. I just thought this was such a good book. It's like definitely a satire. So it's about um, Willis Wu, who is an aspiring actor, and he wants to make it in Hollywood by going from background oriental man to generic Asian man to the ultimate kung fu guy, which in his mind is like the best of the best. It's really playful, it's heartfelt. It's a send-up of all these Hollywood tropes and Asian stereotypes. And I guess it explores Hollywood's almost penchant for like promoting cliches about certain groups of people so it makes sense that he did it in a in a satire way because it really you can tell he's poking fun at it and it also like is a good message like yes we should be more aware of like who's playing what and um how certain people are being represented in film and movie but yeah it's really heartfelt I loved all the characters and it was just funny (laughs) <laughs> it's really it's very funny it's quick it's easy it's yeah it's really good yeah it's like it's clever and I feel like yeah. because of that it didn't get boring like it didn't get sh- sticky but yeah yeah I'm glad agreed. you enjoyed it it was such a good recommendation really outside of a book that I, I don't think I would have picked it up unless you'd recommended it so I'm really grateful that totally you yeah I don't think I've read something like it it's really mm. original it is really yeah it's really cool concept And then a memoir I loved was Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zorna. Okay, this was on my long list and I cut it in the vain hope that you were going to recommend it. Okay, oh my God, one of us needs to talk about this. I loved this book so much. Fuck, it's a good book. It's beautiful. Mm. So Michelle Zorna wrote this heart-wrenching memoir about, I guess, her relationship with her family and her identity and also losing her mother, which was a really heartbreaking, I guess. The grief in this book, fuck. It's like visceral. Her mother has this really heartbreaking, slow death from cancer and it's... She's trying to understand her grief, but also how her identity with that and now that her mum's gone. And also the industry she's in. So you might recognise her from Japanese Breakfast or um, The Little Big League. She's like a really cool musician in her own right. But like from this book, she's also a brilliant writer. It was kind of incredible. But this book is not, I guess, you've got to be in the right frame of mind to read it because it really is so heartbreaking and devastating. Um. I think I cried through the whole thing. <laughs> Probably like the I first page to the last page. Like, um, you're psychopathic <laughs> or sociopathic if you don't cry through basically every uh, chapter of this no. book. And just like the way she – like her writing too, I think that's a testament to her writing Oof, that yeah. she was able to put so much 
um, emotion in it. But what mm-hmm. I think sticks with me about this book is all the descriptions of food. Fuck yes. This was one of my favorite parts of the book and brings a sense of levity. Not levity, but it, it gives you a break almost from the grief. Almost like, yeah, it's still like a distraction. wrapped up yeah. in it, but it gives you this alternative thing to focus on and it's so well done. So she's her background is Korean, so there's a lot of traditional Korean food and how that kind of is wrapped up in her own life and her identity and her relationship with her mother. It's like such it's like a beautiful way to do a memoir. It's everyone has to read it. <laughs> how about your last ones? What is on your list? Okay, last ones. Um QAnon and On, a short and shocking history of internet conspiracy cults Ooh. by Van Battam. I feel like I've mentioned this briefly or talked about it in a past episode. It's yeah, you've pretty definitely much, talked to me about it. Yeah, okay, good. Um, it's definitely like a 101 of how the fuck QAnon came to be, how they became influential. So it sort of begins at the very beginning of the seeds of that cult and that um, conspiracy theory branch of the internet um, and unpicks sort of the so why, scary. the how, the who, and it's fucking terrifying because it shows that slow burn, but how we've ended up at this really extreme end um, when it started in a very, very different way. Um, and how easily people can get sucked into, yeah, QAnon and conspiracy theories and cults online. It's it's a lot, but it's good. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, a, it's totally a cult. That's so yeah, true. It's Oh my God, Um, how fascinating. That is such mm, a good one. And more compassion and empathy for people that have been sucked into QAnon because I think it's easy to deride them and call them idiots or say you would never do it, but it's really interesting to understand um, what goes into it. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, Yeah. Okay. The next one is, I've definitely talked about this. I think it's one of the first books I spoke about um, earlier in this year. Um, It's Braiding Sweetgrass, Indigenous Wisdom, Scientific Knowledge and the Teaching of Plants by Robin Wall Kimmerer. Oh my God, I have Um, this on hold. Yeah. So I listen to it as an audio book. Yeah. And I am obsessed. Um, So she's a botanist, um, an indigenous woman um, in North America, and she's a world-renowned indigenous scientist. So it's this, I think um, there's a a summary of it that describes it as graceful and illuminating study of the wisdom of the natural world. And I feel like that is the most perfect way to describe it. It is like meditation, therapy, connection. It almost gives us a new way of living like if we could basically adopt indigenous ways of being how much more connected we'd be to each other and to the world around us so i'm so excited obviously it has a north american focus in terms of botany and plants so and indigenous knowledge is obviously different between north america and australia but you can because that's her heritage she's yes indigenous from america okay yeah 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 feels like an essential book um and then the final book i'm recommending also (laughs) non-fiction is um educated by tara westover which i've also talked about oh my gosh i've had this is another one i've had on hold (laughs) for so long that i've been wanting to read ever since you mentioned it I also feel like this is another one that's been everywhere for mm. maybe a year or so. Um, anyway, um, it's Tara. So it's her memoir. She grew up um, very extreme end of the Mormon sort of spectrum. Um, so she grew up preparing for the end of the world, never put in school, never taken to the doctor, didn't have a birth certificate until she was like nine. 
truly wild. Yeah, and it's about her journey through education, like how she got an education. I mean, there's also some, you know, violence and a lot of that interwoven throughout, but it's fascinating and phenomenal and just a really interesting reflection on education and perseverance and self-invention. Yeah, it's really good. I feel like it's a book that I probably wouldn't have um, picked up if it wasn't recommended by so many people because it's probably not a topic that I feel like many people would read about. But the way people have been describing it, it almost feels like it, what's that word? Transforms. Yes, it's transformative. Yeah, like it just goes so past that genre and is like yes. a whole thing onto itself like it's all told through her lens and experience of trying to get an education but it's about so much more than that mm. and it really really speaks to her life and her experience in a world and a community that most outsiders don't really get an insight into it's fascinating Anyway, yay, there are our intense <laughs> top Oh my gosh, we lists. did it. We did, we did it. <laughs> um, okay. What are your non, your, what's your final non-book recommendation for the year? Um, so one thing I've been obsessed with this past month is all the coverage of Joan Didion's estate sale. Have you um, heard of this? No, and how have I actually, I feel like I've no, no. No, what? No, it not was one thing. Ridiculous. So in mid November, her estate put a whole bunch of her own belongings on sale and they held um, an auction and all the money went to a scholarship. It went to the Historical Society and also Parkinson's research. But things went for so much more than they initially. $60,000 for a desk? Yeah, the, the things <laughs> they, they predicted... A couple things would go for like a hundred, a couple hundred maybe. They were going for like over the top thousands and thousands of dollars. I think a pair of Celine sunglasses. Yes, I just read that. Yes. There were a bunch of shells that went for thousands of dollars. Um, Two sets of blank notebooks. Blank notebooks. $11,000 each. What? It's a stained so pair of leather trash baskets auctioned off for five and a half thousand dollars. <laughs> I think I think three aprons went for like six thousand dollars or something. Like it's <gasps> wild. People are obsessed with Joan Didion. I think this also is an insight into how people have almost like mythologized her, and she's like come, become this bigger thing. The fact that these just. <laughs> Simple things like books and notebooks went for thousands and thousands of dollars. I think a broken clock went for I was just, oh my God, I'm just reading it. A Cartier desk clock does not appear to be in working order. <laughs> Estimated to sell for between $100 and $200, sold for $35,000. Yeah, exactly. But I think what the beauty of it is just looking through her possessions and looking through her yes. things. And I guess it's an insight into a person, let alone one of our favourite authors and the person that she was. And there's a whole bunch of book collections that, <gasps> that were bundled up. Um, so there's like loads of poetry and classics and a bunch of cookbooks, which I now have like on my to read list. Oh, um, yes. So yeah, I recommend anyone to go have a peruse through Joan Didion's things. It's still oh online. So you can look through all the books and all her, all her possessions that were sold off. It's 
Fascinating. How amazing. And great that the um, they raised more money given where the money was going. Like, that's actually really, really cool. Yeah, so it wasn't going to anyone. It was just going to yeah. research or scholarships. Whether it's yeah. warranted or not, or not, you can decide. But it's an interesting look either way. Wow. Okay. Yeah, this is a ride. <laughs> <laughs> what is your recommendation? What have you? Well, been I feel consuming? like a cliche because I'm just recommending no, um, never a TV show. It's. I feel like I'm late to the party because it was sort of people were talking about it much earlier in the year. But um, the TV show remake of A League of Their Own um, <gasps> on Amazon yes. Prime with Abby Jacobson from Broad City. Um, have you watched One it? One of my favorite movies. Yeah, and it uh, yeah, makes it, such a good TV show. Oh damn it! I was kind of hoping I was like getting you with a good recommendation <laughs> of something you haven't yet watched. Um, I love that movie, so I was very so like, iconic. Even when they started making this TV show, I was like, oh my. God. I remember when they announced it and I was like stoked, but then yeah, it just took a while to get on the bandwagon. But it's um it has been a while. For those that don't know, it's a show about the World War Two All American Professional Women's Baseball League that got created. Um and it's an ad- adaptation of the nineteen ninety two film of the same name, but with new characters and storylines. Heavy focus on sort of um queerness and sexuality and identity and women's place in the world, sort of yeah. Um, it's Which a definitely wasn't featured in the, the no. original movie. <laughs> I think, look, it was probably heavily read between the lines in the totally, 92 movie, yeah. but this is really, really upfront around identity and sexuality and queerness and, you know, non-binary, like lots of, yeah, it's just incredible from a representation point of view in that way. Oh, this is such a good one. Yeah. Everyone has to watch this. Love, it's love, brilliant. Love. Oh my god, it's been so fun listening to what you loved this year. And I've got so many, well, yeah, my list has gone right back up in the... Same. (laughs) There's lots of options here. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like maybe that's why I've been getting through my library list is because I haven't had you recommending great books to me. So now I'm going to be like, fuck, back on the the library (laughs) bandwagon. Follow us on socials. Um, stay tuned. There'll be some fun new changes and additions for next year. Um, oh yeah, we've we've had many exciting ideas, so we're yes. putting them into place. Yeah, so we're in planning and back probably sometime in Feb to bring you more recommendations for another year. Oh, it's been so nice doing this. I forget how oh, much I miss it. Same. Same. How much like fun it is talking about books. Same. It's such a good outlet for getting like a little book fix, like a book chat fix. So true. Yeah. yeah anytime you need to kind of reset and you want some new ones. Ideal. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh God, so yeah, fun. happy happy reading happy reading over the summer break. Happy reading. Happy holidays Yay. as well. Yes, <laughs> I hope everyone is getting holidays. I'm excited <laughs> <for mine. laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye.